Welcome to the YGV100FM podcast. I'm your host, Wun Tan. In this podcast, we invite you to join us in the exciting world of your global village. If this is your first time here, we are a community living and working in a metaverse-inspired village. Our purpose with this podcast is to share the stories of each resident and find the lessons learned that can help you get better results and have a bigger impact. Whether you're just starting out in your business or you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll find fresh ideas and inspiration in these stories. With me today, I've got Michelle Bushin of the Tank NXT. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Wen. This is uh, always exciting stuff. So let's get into your backstory, right? So for people who are new to this podcast, there are sort of three parts to this uh, interview. There's your backstory, that's kind of your part one. There's your present story, which is really around your business. And then there's your future story around your impact. So let's let's jump into part one. Tell us a bit about how you became who you are today. And please share with us a few of the key moments in your journey. You know, I was, I was thinking about this. Um, and uh, to answer that question, I was going to say, who am I? And... Uh, Sometimes I feel a little, little bit like a, like an, an evolving person because who I was yesterday is not necessarily who, I'm, who I am today. And I think that goes along with, with my creator uh, uh, image or profile in uh, that creators don't like things to stay the way they are. And so part of who I am, I suppose, is uh, continuous evolving and finding those things that, that that attract me to evolving. So I would say I'm probably an adventurer and pioneer, uh, uh, pushing the envelope kind of a person, um, but also very, very, uh, as I think as one, one grow older and you go through every, every iteration, you actually become more and more humble. Um, I think my 30-year-old self was a very different person in the sense of how you see the world than what I am today. Um, so I suppose evolving positively with wisdom is what I can say I am today. <laughs> Key moment, moments in my journey um, has been, uh, I, I think, when when you start out in life, for me it was always the world is there to be conquered and to be explored. And uh, then at some point, you actually do realize that you are quite vulnerable and that life hangs on to a second. Um, and I think for me, that came about, firstly, I was, uh, as a young child, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, and it is, for those who know diabetes, it is it is an uncomfortable disease to live with. And I was at the time when I was 11 and diagnosed, I was told or my, the, the doctors told my, my mom and dad, um, not to worry, I'll be fine. I should live for at least another 20 years. So I think I've beaten the odds around that a little bit. Um, but, it, but what really shaped me in that was that there really isn't that much time. And, and one has to use the time that's available. And I think this the, a, a huge moment as well in Oh, there's actually so many moments, but I think the definitive moment was when at the age of 20, 42, I had a very, very serious heart attack in the middle of a cycle race. 
Um, and that took really underlined for me how short life really is because I wasn't planning to die on that day and I could just have just as well have died and then there was still so much to do. So for me, that that is a huge driver to this day is, gosh, there's still so much to do. There's more to explore. There's more to evolve into. Um, and I think that's that's what what has been pretty much, I've been very fortunate to be part of a company um, that has allowed me to actually live out that sense of, gosh, let's go and do more things and let's fill this day to the brim with what there is to fill. Um, and, you know, it's not always that, that, that very active. Uh, sometimes you just, can I just sit for a while? But the main thing for me is, is also the decisions that I made to where, where I'm at at the moment is, is literally infused with that, is that in the end, you need to understand what is your purpose. So once you've understood your purpose, and it's not as something that, that happens overnight, you've got to ask that question all the time. And maybe you had the purpose on Monday and by Friday, you say, I don't think this purpose works for me. So, But at some point in your life, some people early in their lives, some later, um, I was fortunate about two years ago, I really found my purpose. And uh, it's actually quite cool because I've been living that purpose without having actually having defined it. But uh, in, in preparing for this podcast, it really made one reflect on, on these things. So um, to come back to who am I today, I'm a really grateful person um, who wishes we could live till the age of 200, but that's not quite possible yet. Um, so you've got to push all of those things you wanted to do back into what you think you've got available. And uh, simply, simply just enjoy the ride and and be grateful for what is. Michelle, could you share with us, you know, your 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 journey? Like, how did you uh, get to where you are doing what you're doing right now? And were there any sort well, of big decisions that you had to make? I think for me, the the, the biggest thing was that um, I studied to become a lawyer, or I always wanted to become a lawyer because I thought that it is a powerful way to really make a difference. And I'm glad that, that that's what I studied because it gave me a very firm foundation for how to, how to look at what is um, and then within set rules, because we all know the law has got some real strict rules, but within certain rules, still be able to, to make that difference, be that pioneer. And at the same time, the legal profession was way too confining for me, but it gave me that, that, that launch pad. And my biggest thing, I would say, even as a child, is I really wanted to, to add value or make a difference. Same, same, same point, different, different view of it. And for me, in, and in those days, the sustainable development goals didn't exist. But for me, poverty was a very diminishing thing from a very young age. And I, I think I already committed as a young person to what can I do to reduce poverty? And as part of studying economics, uh, and uh, now economics have got a whole bunch of subsets to it, but what, what I then realized is that if you could ensure that economic engines actually run, 
it's like a small little heartbeat. And if you can make that heartbeat stronger, then your impact on poverty is, is quite high. Um, and I think that's where we're processed as a way to improve how businesses have a chance to survive um, came, came up uh, as, as a strong area. Um, and I think that was quite definitive in then saying, gosh, I think I didn't decide, okay, I'm going to become a process person. I don't even want to call myself a process engineer. I just look at processes and say, why can't we do this? Or why shouldn't we do this? If we wanted to achieve this, this thing isn't going to work. So I think I, I have a little bit of engineering in me and, and, and a questioning way to say is, but there's got to be a different way of doing this. And I think that is that is really what led us. And that is where I started as when I exited corporate at the young age of, of uh, 24. Um, I, I decided let's start with this. And it started with business planning. And in business planning, you look at what processes do you deploy? And I saw that I'm actually doing not too badly in that, that area. And more and more people wanted it. And then I designed a, a way to map processes that's really engaging, that causes for change management, that opens up a lot of thinking. Um, and it shows you what can change. Um, and, and so with that in mind, as the world evolved into much more tech, uh, from society 3.0 to, to, to 4.0 and now to 5.0, process is still the base. Stuff has got to be done in a certain way. How you do it can change. And that change is either changing how people do the thing, in other words, training, improvement, or making people do things that only people can do and then bringing technology in to do other things that people don't need to, to do. And all of that is then meant to say is, if I have a growth trajectory for my business, do my processes support that? And if not, what is the stuff that I need to do? And that's basically my dictum is, is whenever somebody says, um, I really need to grow my business, the first thing that starts happening in my mind is, okay, so what are your growth processes? Which processes are holding you back? Which processes are you costing you too much money? Let's get Let's get that out of the way first, because then you haven't really done much, already, but already you've got, you've got a new velocity into, into how to run your business. Could, could you share with us a bit around you know, how, how you got started with Patong and, and the, the background behind this, the company? It is quite interesting because I, uh, as a business planner, I, after I left corporate, I think it was at the age of 20 eight or 29 that I eventually left corporate completely. Um, I started, as I said, doing business plans as a small little company, as a, as a solopreneur. And uh, eventually I got bored with that. And uh, I also realized that uh, you, can't, you can't really build a business on one person's IP. You need to get this information out and start having other people support you. So, um, at the time, I was uh, proposing for a project at a large oil company, a uh, petrochemical company, and one of the project managers in, in, in that company uh, saw what I could do, just the way that I thought about things and the question where I looked at processes. And uh, she invited me to do a small project for them after they'd just done a big ERP implementation. And uh, then they started seeing as 
the way that I'm thinking is not like an IT person, but like a person who needs to do the job and making it fairly easy. And that then evolved to uh, that project manager became my my business partner, which is MJ, um, because when she finished the project, uh, she then said, okay, well, this worked well. Why don't we work together? So we formed the company in 2002. And by the way, today is our birthday, 1st of December 2000. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was in 2002, yeah, there's 19 years today that we formed the business. And that really grew because uh, this, this petrochemical company then thought, wow, that worked well. Let's, let's do more projects. And MJ and I then basically grew the business from that. And it evolved and evolved and evolved. And eventually, we, we, after about two years, we had uh, two additional people employed. And then as we were just in a good growth tra- trajectory, that's when I had the heart attack um, at age 42. And uh, that was a big st- stop. Um, and we very we had we were we had quite a big project running, so we had to immediately employ two more more people, train them. Poor MJ was training people while I was in the hospital um, to deliver to the client. But the 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 I think the good thing that we learned there is that what we had was duplicatable, and that's probably a question we should have asked right in the beginning: is how how easy is it to duplicate what what we were doing? Um, and um, I believe that's what really started growing the companies because then we could train others to do what we were doing, create a methodology, and it's not easy. It's not easy to take the process of doing all the methodology out of your head into somebody else's uh, capability, but it actually worked very well. And then we expanded the business over the next uh, number of years into the different areas so that we now have seven practices but each of those practices still focus in some way or still need process in some way. For instance, if you want to employ somebody, a client of ours wants to employ a cloud developer um, uh, or, a, or a cloud engineer to transition from current to a future state in cloud, um, you first got to understand what are the processes this person is going to have to work with to do that. Um, if you're looking at using data better in businesses. Where in the business do you generate what data and what could you do with what you have and what could you do with what you could still further gain out of your processes? If you're looking at automation, if you're looking at blockchain, um, if you're looking at the whole change management element that happens with everything that we do every day, um, if you know this is where we're at now, that's where we're changing. This is the stuff that needs to change. Now you can change also the way that people look at it. So uh, that's been the how the business evolved. And at this stage, uh, we're about 33 or 34 people in the business. And we we do fantastic projects. Uh, it's uh, and, and that I think that's part of, of what's really which I'm so grateful for. There is not a boring day in this business. There's very little. What you did yesterday, the chances that you're going to do the same today is quite limited. <laughs> and it's just also a result of a very, very different way in which the world is working. I love that. Michelle, could you share with us, you know, jumping into the what you are doing right now, 
your present story around, you know, what the business is working on in terms of how how you working with clients and share with us some of the stories around how you're helping your clients solve some of their challenges and what sort of problems are you uh, working through with them? It is quite a range. And if you, if you use the uh, uh, impact meter that uh, Genius U uses, um, we literally are on the full spectrum with people who still might have a concept uh, just doing the planning of, you know, how do I get this thing started? Again, what are the processes you're going to need? Who are you going to put in the process? Are you going to manage all of your processes? Are you going to start outsourcing or bringing in staff? If you look at a, at a multinational corporate, um, areas where we get involved in is acquisitions, mergers, upscaling, new product development. We're currently busy with a, a large project in the Netherlands, from the Netherlands, the Netherlands office, where our client uh, supports a global industry in rolling out new products every every quarter. So, uh, and that means there's a lot of project management is needed to conceptualize, design, test, and get it to the market. And then based on, we call it, we call it minimum viable product based on MVP1, MVP2 starts rolling, which means you've got a whole range of things that needs to run parallel to one another. And then there's entry to market and off you go. So we assist, assist with that project management office support um, to get those projects out. Client of ours, a medium-sized business uh, needed to enter new markets, up their current sales from existing markets, enter new markets and up the sales. So through the OKR system um, and merging it again with what processes are relevant, what products are selling, what's not selling, repackaging how you put products into not one product, one product, one product, but three products into one package, offering it to the market. Uh, we Within 90 days, we increased the, the, the income, the, the sales for that company by 48% for that quarter. Um, and simply through driving weekly, 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 what are we targeting, what did we achieve, what we didn't achieve, and so on. Um, another client, that, uh, international or global, was bought, buying up uh, a number of businesses throughout Africa. They needed to standardize how they do things. So we, we got all 14 the company, countries' offices um, in one session and the 14 of us agreed what is it that should be the standard way of doing these 10 processes that we had identified for them. And through that, each one brought their best practice and we then agreed on a standard process for all of them. But when you do something in Ghana because of uh, legislation um, and in Cote d'Ivoire, there's another way of doing it. Then you simply say, this is the standard. But if you are working in Ghana, these are the things that needs to happen. And, and we did that quite successfully um, in a fairly short, short period of time. Another project that's, that we were involved in recently is the client wasn't sure what was what was happening. Why are people doing what they're doing? Um, and they are ready to, to uh, move to the next level in the business. So we simply had to unpack what's, what is all that's happening in this business? Where are the problems? And once we've identified which processes were the, were the 
troublesome ones, we could say, well, let's throw this at that or let's fix it that way. So those are some of the examples. But in general, what clients require, either they need to gain clarity about what is going on and what is going wrong. They need to quantify loss, waste, unproductivity in order to improve and put the right plans in. They need to put those plans in and have it implemented. Um, so it's quite a range of elements that we respond to. But, but generally what the client feels is frustration because I'm not moving. And, and we are that element that, that brings about that. Let's get, get that traction. So can you talk a bit about what happens after they work with you? What are, you know, what are some of the results that, that you bring? Well, firstly, we are... We are like a, I want to be, be quite liberal in saying we're like a, like a SWAT team. We come in and we, and we do stuff. And in that doing, you first, obviously, we've got to assess the situation. Then we, then we address what needs to, to change to get the traction. And then we leave that knowledge of what to do going further. So, so we come and fix, and then we create what will continuously sustain and with the, 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 the client's teams, make sure that the people internally um, and as people and systems can carry on with what was done. So it is very important for us to leave the knowledge behind um, so that that sustainability is there. So what, what generally what, what clients would feel is, okay, we moved. We're, we're achieving a goal. Um, and that's, that's just so awesome to see when, when that happens. Michelle, Let's move on to the you know the final part of the interview. Could you share with us what's the future story for you? And imagine if t- today is twenty twenty six. Looking back in the past five years, what would you say are the highlights? I think for me, the future is pretty much a continuum of the past, with with the the clear understanding that the future is quite unknown and. But that one, actually, I think each and every one of us has the resilience to tackle. Uh, and sometimes we just need a little bit of a, a booster to, to tackle what needs to be, to be tackled. But for us, it remains that, that element of if businesses work and when they work they, and the, the, that they work well, Value is generated. Now, if that, that, whether that value is in dollars, euros, whatever currency it is, is not really the important thing. It, I think self-esteem by doing something valuable is important. There's so many people who do not have something to do at the moment. And the mental impact of that is huge. Sad people is not, I think, what, what the good Lord intended us to be. We should be fairly happy people or productive people or adding value kind of people. And those economic engines that causes that to happen are businesses. So, um, and a business is usually the idea of somebody who you can duplicate. And where we could continue to help with that will be great to continually create that value. And whether that value is buying through, through cryptocurrencies or through through some sort of a value exchange. And, and those things cause for self-esteem, for positivity. Those things in turn will lead to 
people having food to eat, having an education, having connectivity. Human beings were made to, to be busy and do things and learn things and contribute, I believe. Now, I might, there might be some people that say, I'm quite happy sitting on the couch watching the TV. Thank you. Um, but uh, that's, that's really, for me, the continuous thing is being part of, of what's actually quite a natural thing. But let's make it better and, and really still continue working at eliminating poverty. So, Michelle, do you have any final advice or any call to actions? I think for me, the biggest, biggest thing is tying right back to, to the fact that if we want to make the world a better place, uh, we each are here for a purpose. Find your purpose. Um, and potentially don't be too shy about your purpose. Obviously, the purpose must fit into the framework of uh, doing it should be better than than bad. <laughs> so, you know, if your purpose is to do bad stuff, then it's probably you just need to revisit that. Um, but then what's bad for one person is not bad for another person. But the fact is, I think people need to find their groove and in whatever fashion that is. Uh, and at the same time, do what you love, do what you care for. I think it's the worst possible thing to to slog it away. The opportunities are so many these days that, that you can actually make that choice. And then I would say be a, be a student, but also be a t- teacher. We all have that capability. And when you when you are your business, when your business is, is what it's doing, just always balance up whether there's profit. Profit in the sense of we have improved, we are doing better. There's this there's, there's value that's been generated and that's flowing. Um, that's what I would uh, share. And any other sort of um, things you want to share or point out before we end this? No, I, I, uh, I want to really congratulate you and Annalisa and the team from, from your global village. Uh, this, is, this is really cool stuff. Uh, it so, so supports everything that I've just said. Um, and uh, I, really, I really hope and wish that the engine that you have started in your global village is going to just go bigger and bigger and bigger uh, because its impact, um, I believe, is, is quite high. Yes, thank you. And I couldn't agree more. And we're only getting started. Thank you for making me a part of the journey and for this opportunity. Well, thank you very much, Michelle, for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. So thank you very much for listening till the end. That was Michelle Buishan of Batang NXT. She is resident number 19 on the Global Square Village. So you can find out more about what she does there. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode we have Susan Ritter of Wealthy Wise Woman for the next episode. If you don't know Susan, she will be sharing her journey from the nuclear industry to, to now working with women to change their relationship with money and make better decisions around investments. So tune in for the next episode to find out more about Your Global Village. Head over to yourglobalvillage.com. That's it for now. My name is Wintan and I'll see you in the next episode.